You're listening to the IFF TV podcast. Football Fan TV, this is our League of Ireland Premier Division show. It's myself, Paul Nealon, joined by Gary Spain. Gary, how are you today? And this lovely, sunny... What day is it today? Tuesday. Yeah, all good, Paul. Yeah, lovely sunny day. Nice to have the good weather. Yeah, now the only reason I ask what day it is, because we normally do this on a Monday, and it just it has that Monday feel to it. But look, we're here on Tuesday we're doing this, so... Uh, yeah, we'll get straight in. Top of the table clash at the weekend. Um, Saturday's game, it was St. Pat's 1, Shamrock Rovers 2. Chris Forrester with the goal for St. Pat's to take the lead. Then Graham Burke obviously equalised and sending shush messages to Brian Kerr. And then obviously towards the end, Dan Mangero capitalised on, I suppose, a bit of a mistake from Lee Desmond. And he managed to carry the ball all the way up into the opposition's box and managed to poke a home. Uh, to win the game for Shamrock Rovers and they stretch their lead at the top of the table to 26 points, five points clear of second place St. Pat's. So when you saw this scoreline, were you a bit surprised considering the time of the uh, the winning goal? Well, I don't think anyone can be surprised at Shamrock Rovers getting a late goal at this stage, Paul. It's, it's unbelievable how many times they've done it, how many games they've won. Uh, Longford, Drogheda, Drogheda, I mean, again, they, they do it, they get late goals at home to Pats and away to Sligo as well. So, um, yeah, what a what a performance by them. Uh, I, I did see a reference, I think it was Mark McCadden was making the reference in the, in the newspapers that it's reminiscent of the Drogheda league winning team of 2007 that picked up, I think, 12 points that season from with last minute goals. And uh, it feels like Rovers have are, are getting close enough to that already. And this is even more important as it's against their main title. If you, well, if you look at the league table, it's against their main title rivals. Maybe not the team they expected to be battling with them at the top of the table at the start of the season. So, I mean, they were already top. They were already two points clear. But to go away to your main rivals and to come from behind and win the game, it certainly feels significant and uh, a five-point gap even at this very early stage of the season is starting to look ominous but and particularly so is that i still don't think rovers are playing as well as they they can be they're not firing on all cylinders and god help the other sides when they actually start to do that because they're still finding a way to win which is a sign of a re real champions that you you always just go out and find a way to win even when you're not at their best and rovers are doing that consistently and scoring and earning points in the last minute is going to give it's just going to give them incredible confidence and what's the unbeaten run now 32 games um they're just extending just extending this record and uh, they're going to be very very tough to stop yeah, do you think in some ways, though, it's a little bit disappointing? I mean, if if St. Pat's maybe had got a, a win here, maybe the visit going to be a bit more 
edge to this title race. Now it seems as though I think Rovers will just carry on. Now, look, I might have egg on my face this week and they may end up losing, but it, it looks to me like they're just going to keep continuing that unbeaten streak for the next uh, next while. Obviously, they have Richie Tell coming in on the 1st of July. So he's going to be massive for them as well. And if they add in the mid-season transfer window as well, then they're just going to get stronger. And as you said, they haven't even reached probably the their highest of levels that we know that they can get to. So I think in some ways this was a game in which, I suppose, not in any bad way towards Pats, but this was a game where we were, I was kind of hoping in some ways that maybe Pats might get a result here just to kind of make the league, to, uh, league race a bit exciting. Yeah, I think definitely for the, from a neutral perspective and from the league perspective, it would have been better if Pats had won the game and keep it interesting. Yeah, now you did mention Richie Towle coming in and Rovers already have an incredibly strong squad. The only caveat that might make it interesting is that the Rovers have Champions League uh, this summer and assuming it's, it's two games uh, home and away, which I believe it is this season, as opposed to the single matches last season. If Rovers get through the first round of the Champions League, at that point, even if they were to lose, they drop into the Europa League and then drop into the conference and with a high chance of getting group stage football. And just the sheer number of European games may start to take its toll on the squad. Um but I, I may be clutching at straws. I think it's it's very hard to see anybody even challenge Rovers and make a title race out of it at this stage. Now, um, I'd love to be proved wrong. I hope we do have a title race. But already five points clear and not even firing in all cylinders. This has got to be um, it's got to be pretty ominous. Yeah. Yeah, I think in some ways though, like. Pats have nothing to be ashamed about here. I mean, they took the leads. Chris Forrester, again, who's a man that seems to be in red-hot form. Graham Burke, I suppose, gone a little bit under the radar as well in terms of uh, probably form and stuff like that. I mean, he's turned up with the goods more often than not so far this season. And then, obviously, Dam Andrea, who you could probably say right now has been the signing of the season. Yeah, people were questioning his signing for overs. They were probably saying, oh, maybe he wasn't so good last season having been incredibly good in 2019 for Bowes. I don't think anybody's questioning his signing now. He's been uh, an incredible signing for Rovers. And, uh, well, what can you say? Another winning goal. He's And he's playing really well. And he's he's just a key part of the team at this stage. And, uh, look, Stephen Bradley's got to be absolutely delighted. Um, it's not Rovers' problem that nobody else is consistent enough to challenge them. And uh, I don't think any Rovers fan is going to be bemoaning other sides' problems. And uh, from a Rovers perspective, they're absolutely flying. They're playing really well. Graham Burke, as you said, well, Graham Burke's an Irish international now, don't forget. So I don't think he's gone that much under the radar, but he is a fine player. He is. Um, he does pop up with crucial goals. I saw him score five last season in one match. So um, it's, it's a long way to say... Uh, well, sorry, what I was going to say is there's a long way to go yet in, in this season, but it already looks like Rovers are going to be very, very tough to stop. From a Pats perspective, I still think Stephen O'Donnell's going to be delighted with their start to the season. I think That's if they offered them second... the season. Sorry. Yeah, first defeat. They're still clear in second place, and if you offered him second place, 
now or at the start of the season, I think he'd bite your hand off. It would be, in fact, if you offered him third, I think he'd bite your hand off because I think if Pats qualify for Europe, it'll be a, a really successful season for them. But there's no one I see at the moment mounting a sustained title challenge. Yeah, no, I'd agree totally with what you're saying there. And I do think maybe a cup run and uh, maybe a European run um, or obviously finishing the European places and a cup run or maybe even a cup final would be a very, very good season for St. Pat's. Obviously, they'd be looking to win that cup final if that was the case, if they did get there. Um, but yeah, look, they've, they've lost one game against the, the team that no one else can beat anyway. So there's absolutely no shame in that. As far as Dan Andreo goes, and people forget that he was the young player of the year in 2019, and I don't know what happened with Bowes last season, and I'm sure that will come out at some stage, what was going on there and why he wasn't getting in the team and so on. But he has shown a level of maturity now that he wasn't really shown at Bowes. I suppose, like, Stephen Bradley and his coaching staff, I think, deserve massive credit in, in that because they do that with a lot of players. They, they bring them in, they nurture them, and then they get them, I suppose. Like, I, I would never... I've seen Mandreo score a goal like that for Bose. Like he would score a lot of sweet strikes from distance and all, but never carrying the ball into the box and scoring, scoring last minute headers and stuff like that. But I think the way Rovers have, have kind of developed him in the in this time that they've had him so far, again, like like the way, the way they did with Aaron McAniff, like the way they did with Jack Bird. So they've obviously seen that he's got quality, but it's about kind of, I suppose, giving him that discipline as well. Because I look at just the way he's playing at the moment and it just he is disciplined and although he picks up nice he, he comes for the ball deep sometimes and he'll take the ball and he'll just like to get little touches and stuff like that to get him into the game but ultimately he does stay high and he's affecting a lot of games as well now and um, more so than all, and he's been the difference in terms of winning games in uh, two big games for them this season already yeah, no, he, he was always, I mean, if you go back to 2019, he influenced a lot of games for Bowes and he played really well. I suppose the, 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 the key thing I took from your thing, from your comment was uh, more working hard, winning the ball, because I think if there was a criticism of him in 2019, it was that he was very much focused on attack and he didn't track back as much and, and didn't, uh, win the ball, pretty certainly for Rovers, you do see him uh, winning ball as well and winning winning tackles. And uh, whereas he's still able to have such an influence up on top, where he's so really good and scoring again the crucial goals, the crucial late goals, uh, which Rovers just somehow still managed to do. Yeah, well, after the game, Jared caught up with Dan Andrea and Stephen Bradley. You can hear what they had to say here. Delighted to be joined by Shamrock Rovers match winning hero Danny Mandrew found their 2 1 victory away to St. Pat's night. Danny, have uh, come back down from cloud, cloud nine yet since that late goal? Uh, not really, no. Uh, hard game, tough game, tough second half. I thought you were great in the first half, but they came into a bit in the second half, but overall we got the three points, so we're delighted. When the ball came to you, clearly there was only one thing on your mind, you were going solo. Going solo, just running as quick as I, quick as I can to the goal. And, Luckily enough, it went in, so I'm, uh, I'm delighted for it. Yeah, I was just thinking up to myself in the afternoon. I think it's the fifth time this season now from the 18 minute onwards you've got a goal to either win or to draw a game. It's just unbelievable kind of team spirit. For opposition, they literally have to be in the dressing room at this stage before they have you bet. We, we, we just don't believe we can lose a game for the whole season, but the character in the dressing room is unbelievable. We're, all, we're on our knees in the, I'd say, the 80th minute. We're all, 
we were all gone. I thought we were all gone, but we, we, we found that I was somewhere. That's the character in the team, so delighted to get the win. Yeah, you touched on there first half, you probably had the better things, but you got off to that nightmare start going behind after five minutes, but your response really was excellent. And maybe with a bit more fortune, you would have. I know you were level by half time, but you could have actually been in front. Yeah, we were great after the goal. I thought we created a lot of chances. Our attacking play was great. We were, we were, we were good at the back. We were solid. And then the second half, we were just, we were just a bit off it, and then we started to come back into it. So overall, I, I thought we deserved the win. Personal level now up to four goals for this season. Happy enough with your contribution at this early stage. If could get a lot more goals, but happy enough so far. Yeah. Yeah, good competition between yourself now, Rory and Graham. You're all on four goals, so we're, we're all we're all scoring goals. We're helping the team out, so the most important um, thing is to get the three points. So, and yeah, move on now again next week. Derry at home. You've already played them this season. You won two 0 up there. There's kind of still, I suppose, that new manager bounce, even though there are a couple of results have dripped, dripped off of them recently. But you'd be expecting another tough game. Yeah, Derry's always a difficult difficult game. They're they're a well organised team, so. We'll have to be on our A game to, to get something out of the game, so we're looking forward to it. Danny, thanks for your time, and I enjoy no the rest problem. of the evening. Thank you. Joined by Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley following their 2 1 victory away to St. Pat this evening. Stephen, just saying there, I was counting up and I was saying it to Danny as well. I think it's the fifth time now you've got to go from the 80 minute onwards to either draw or win a game. Just unbelievable spirit. Yeah, it shows tremendous qualities within the group. Uh, the character, the belief, the trust in what we do, and the trust in each other. And um, they're extremely fit. A group of players, um, they push each other hard every day, and, and, and it's four nights like this, and it's four nights when you want to push on and get late winners or equalizers, and, and they've shown that on a, a number of occasions this this season, and, and it's a fantastic quality to have. Overall, do you think it was a fair result? Yeah, I think so. I think we should have scored three in the first half, to be honest. Um, I think Rory's one, Danny has one, Danny has two in the first half, and then the free kick in the second half, the offside goal. Um, I think we, we, we more than deserve it. It was a good game, it was a tight game, but I, I felt we more than deserved uh, the 2-1 victory. Yeah, you got off the worst possible start going behind after five minutes, but it didn't seem to affect you because straight away you did start to boss that game. Yeah, the goal actually helped us in a, in a strange way. It woke us up and, and it gave us a little uh, slap and we needed it to get going. But after that, we some of our play in the first half was, uh, was excellent. We controlled the game and, and, uh, and we opposed our game on them very, very quickly and, and like I said, created a lot of chances. Yeah, you're the top scorers in the league now as well, and it's easy to see why you've a great spread of scores and high individual tallies so far. Like Danny, Rory, and Graham are now all on four each. Yeah, yeah, and and we we've said that from uh, from from day one that the way we play our system is not about having having one man who who uh, is going to guarantee thirty goals. It's about how how we. Uh, how we create chances for all over the pitch uh, for different players and and uh, in different ways and and uh, it's fantastic to have the quality in, in the final tour to to uh, to score goals like Graham tonight. Yeah, I was sitting near your subs at the match as well. I noticed Aaron Green in a cast, Neil Farouja uh, on crutches, and obviously uh, Joey O'Brien then had an ice pack when he came off at half time in the back of his leg. So. It's not all been playing saying you do have a couple of difficulties as well. Yeah, we've had a few injuries. Uh, we have a few injuries at the moment, but uh, that's why we have the squad that we have. It's a really, really strong squad. Uh, we believe in every player and every player is ready to play. And um, you're going to pick up injuries, you're going to pick up suspensions as the season goes. That's a league campaign. Um, and you've got to be ready to play when, when you're called upon. And, and to be fair to the group, uh, everyone that's been asked to play has uh, is ready. Big statement win, because it's obviously the top two, put you five points ahead of the top, but I think you probably know better than anyone else, it is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, you, you've said it, it's, a, it's, it's very, very early in the season, uh, it's a good win, it's three points, 
um, and we move on to, to Derry next week. Uh, but like you said, it's it's very early in the season. Stephen, thanks for time. Enjoy the rest of the Cheers, evening. Cheers, thank you. On to Oriel Park then. Dundalk nil. Sligo won Jordan Gibson with the goal on 39 minutes. And I suppose this is a massive result for Sligo because they did go down to 10 men on 53 minutes um, with Gary Buckley getting a second yellow card. And to go to Oriel Park, and look, I know there's no fans at the moment uh, inside the grounds and stuff like that, but still going there and getting that result, that's massive. Because some would say earlier on in the season, the first game of the season when they played each other, that Sligo were probably unlucky not to win the game. Yeah, I think both sides in the first game of the season hit the woodwork and both sides probably felt they should have won it. But maybe if anyone in the balance of play, maybe a 1-1 draw was a fair result on the opening night. But um, yeah, this this is a surprise. I mean, and, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised because Sligo Rovers are well clear of Dundalk and have gone even further clear of Dundalk now on the table. But it was, I, I, I kind of thought Dundalk were getting their act together had turned things around and were really going to push on and get back up at least into the European places in the coming weeks. And the, it's not just the defeat at home to Sligo, but it's the manner of the defeat to go behind uh, to Jordan Gibson's goal and then to have almost the whole second half against 10 men and to not really, just to huff and puff and would not really... It's not as if I don't. It's not as if any Dundalk fan. I, I don't know if they are. I, I don't see them on social media claiming they were unlucky or anything like that. It's um, it's just disappointing from from a Dundalk perspective, um, to go down so tamely to a defeat. And I said this last week, and I'm just, I have to repeat it. The new manager cannot come in quickly enough, and uh, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, there were strong rumours it was going to be David Healy. It looks like David Healy is signing a new contract and staying at Linfield. So I, I, don't, I have no idea who's who the new manager is going to be, but Dundalk certainly need a manager quickly, um, particularly with the the social media reports about the socialising in Belfast, etc. I hear, I'm hearing that Dave Rogers is going to be the one coming in there, but that's neither confirmed or denied right now. Okay, yeah, there's there's loads of different rumours, um, but he's currently we'll in Arizona, coaching over in Arizona at the moment, and um, he's obviously got his coaching badges. He played with Dundalk. He knows the league very well. So I think that one would probably make more sense of uh, the most recent ones I've heard, anyway. But I definitely think that could be one that would work. Yeah, a shells legend as well. Particularly, I don't think you'll forget his uh, famous European goal against Hadrick Split. One of the best days of my life. Best nights. Okay. So, um, yeah, in fact, I, I was at that game as well. And even as a neutral, obviously, cheering for Shells, it was a, it was a fantastic night. Um, I know Dave's family and all are here as well. So it would be, it may make sense for him to, to come back. But I hadn't heard that rumour until you mentioned it there. But, um, yeah, I think Dundalk desperately need... A new manager in quickly and uh, I know there's a lot of disquiet among their fans and uh, they just with the whole the budget they have the quality of the players they have they they have to be winning matches and uh, they need to turn it around yeah I think with the you know I think the fans are organizing a protest this week ahead of the Rovers game so I think out of uh, to basically protest against the owners 
not 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 so much the managers or or Jimmy Jilton or anything more so against the owners. So, um, I'm not sure what the details are, but as far as I know, there's going to be a protest before the game. Yeah, well, I saw I saw the banners for it, and they want Bill Holtzheiser out. Now, I I think that's actually a mistake. I wouldn't. Um, I I just if you just look at it from a, the club perspective, I think the peak six and the Bill Holtzheiser have poured a lot of money into the club, and they have bankrolled the club in recent years. Uh, I appreciate there are things that maybe the fans aren't happy about, and I don't think they should be happy about the league position. But I think this is very different. If you look across the water and you look at the Man United fans trying to get the Glazers out of their club, I think this is a very different scenario because if you look at American owners in maybe some of the big, uh, like Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, they're actually making millions, hundreds of millions. I think it's even billions in the, maybe I'm getting that wrong in the Glazers, but they've certainly, the Glazers have taken, these owners have taken massive amount, massive profits from owning the Premier League clubs. Yeah, yeah, this is money. The, The Glazers have taken out phenomenal amounts of money out of Manchester United. So they have made, as it's as if it's an investment to business. So and and Cronky at Arsenal and Henry at Liverpool, they are making money, taking money out of the club. That's not the case in Dundalk. I mean, Peak Six, Bill Hudsizer are pumping money into the club. Now, people may say, okay, they'd like to see it pumped in. Maybe the facilities at Oriel Park be improved or whatever. But it's only last year Dundalk first time made a profit since Peak Six took over, and that was because of their group stage football. They've lost quite a bit of money in the, the past four or five years. It's not hard to see why, because obviously there's no fans at games, there's no income coming through, and they have a really big squad of quality players. And I can only imagine the wage bill is, if it's not the highest in the league, it's certainly the second highest. I mean, Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers are operating off budgets that none of the other clubs are getting close to competing with. So... I, if I was a Dundalk fan, I certainly wouldn't want uh, Bill Hulsizer out of the club because uh, they're going to need somebody else to pump in that kind of money unless the club can generate that income from somewhere else. So I, I, w- I would caution from that perspective, but I can understand uh, why the Dundalk fans are very, very frustrated and not happy with the start of the season and to see th- this club should be up there challenging for the title and at very very least in the european positions well gary i think i think more so i don't think they're trying to get the owners out i think what they want is bill holsizer out because of the disruption that he's caused since he's gone in there you look at when mike tracy was there and everything was going swimmingly when he was there he was kind of in the background he was never made it really made a fuss about um he still seems to be quite popular among dundalk fans now but he obviously I think it might have been this time last year or a bit after uh, he left. And then everything started to go downhill from there. Because before that, it was, when he was there, it was going quite well for them. Yeah, I, okay. I, I hear what you're saying, Paul. But I, I think it's... My, now, my reading of it from the outside, and I could be wrong on this, I think initially it may have been an investment decision by Peak Six. But I think any of us that know the league and love the league, and I've been following this league for over fifty years now, you don't. Um, the only way to make a small make a small fortune in the League of Ireland is to start with a large fortune. 
you don't make money out of the out of this league um it isn't it is not like the premier league in england it is totally different and you don't invest in football clubs here to make money um there are all sorts of other benefits and i absolutely love love domestic football here but it's and, and you can get incredible goodwill and and all, all sorts of positive things for your business but if you invest in in league of ireland football with a view to making money out of it i think you're in you're in the wrong business so th that's why i just caution i mean I, i'm not sure what the dundalk fans are looking for and the aim of the protest what i've seen is it's just things like bill hulsizer out and it reminds me of things like getting the Glazers out of Man United. Now, I, I can fully understand why Manchester United fans would not want the Glazers anywhere near their club, um, because it's a, it, but it's a very different kind of ownership model, and uh, there is absolutely no way that Bill Hulsizer or Peak Six or anyone is making money out of Dundalk. Uh, quite the opposite, in fact, and I, I think it's seen more as now as uh, something he is invested in enjoys doing now i've never met bill hulsizer in my life it's unlikely i ever will but um what i believe it's something that he really is passionate about and wants to do and wants to adopt to succeed but maybe is in, in some ways is going about it the wrong way when i know people who have dealt with him in business uh and they said he's, he's not a very easy person to deal with so look anyway there's no point speculating or whatever that's what's going to happen. Let's talk about Sligo anyway. I think um, they've kind of been overshadowed here. A great victory. They've gone third on 19 points. Dundalk are seventh on 10 points after 10 games. So that's one point for every game they've played. Um, but enough about Dundalk for now. Uh, Sligo third on 19 points. And I have to say it's it's been a very good job that Liam Buckley's done so far to date uh, at the club. Because we, we always reference back to before the lockdown, the first lockdown um, over a year ago how they were bottom after it was five games played. They were bottom without a win. And uh, they obviously went on to finish the European places last year and they seem to have kicked on. They've bought smartly this season. And, you know, the likes of Gibson, the likes of Greg Balzer and stuff like that, who keeps getting rave reviews week in, week out um, with the Sligo fans and stuff. So I think massive credit to Sligo uh, for the win that they've got. And they'll continue, I think, to to stay there, thereabouts in that kind of top three, top four spot for the rest of the season. I predict for now, anyway, after 10 games. Yeah, yeah they've made a great start. I mean, they, they had that blip at home to Derry a couple of weeks ago, but they've they've bounced back very well. Uh, great win at Daly Mount. Uh, great win at, um, at Oriel Park. And... Uh, Hats off to them. It's been a superb start to the, season, to the season. Liam Buckley, as you said, has assembled a really good squad there. Uh, he knows, I mean, Jordan Gibson was was at Pats last season. Uh, he didn't really set the world on fire there, but he's absolutely flying at Sligo and playing really well. And he said he got the winning goal. Um, but hats off to They're in Europe and they have a great chance of getting back into Europe. I think the gap with Shamrock Rovers is probably too much. I don't, I don't see them challenging for the title, but they're well capable of staying in the, the, the European hunt. And Sligo Rovers have an incredible relationship with the FAI Cup, and I'm sure their fans are going to be eyeing up a, a cup run and hopefully will have fans back in the ground when the FAI Cup gets underway. And this, 
the the, the rovers from the the west would be a, a great tip for the FAI Cup at this stage. Yeah, well, I think they've opened up a nice gap. Like, I mean, I think they're five points clear of next uh, after them is Finn Harps. So they've opened up a nice gap there. And if Finn Harps keep continuing to go the way they did, like they did against Bowes, um, then they continue to bridge that gap and they'll, they'll set themselves a nice bit of breathing space, I suppose, for the European places at the very least as well, you know. So fair play to Sligo. Um, Dundalk need to get their act together and it'd be interesting to see what happens on um, the weekend then regarding the, the protests and so on. But we'll move on to Daily Mount and Bowes beat Finn Harps 4-0. I was at this game. Ross Tierney with the first goal. Ali Cute with a double. And then Keith Buckley finished off the game in style for Bowes. For me, this game, honestly, uh, I was watching it and then the first half, Finn Harps were awful. I was hoping to turn up and see the Finn Harps that have been, you know, how would I put it? They've been constantly punching above their weight so far this season. I think everyone would agree. I was hoping to see that Finn Harps team turn up. They just didn't turn up. And Bowes, to their credit, were awesome. I mean, all over the pitch. It just seemed to click for them on the day. And it could have been a halftime 3 0, it could have been 5 or 6. And I was thinking, and I turned around to Ethan, was actually at the game. Um, and I turned around to him, I go, this this could be 5 or 6. Um, and he didn't dis- he didn't disagree. I mean, once the first goal went in with Ross Tierney, you could see that the, thing, the game was going to open up a bit. Great bit of play by uh, Bert on the left hand side. And he puts the ball in a great area for Ross Tierney and he smashed the home from the near post. Um, and then Ali Cute, he wins the ball in the Finn Harps half and then carries it the whole way to Finn Harps edge of the box, basically, without being challenged, takes a strike and scores the goal. And then he got his, his second, Bowes third then, when George Kelly closed down um, Finn Harps, I think it was a clearance, which, which should have been just given back to the goalkeeper. But I can't remember who the player was at the moment. It was the ball that made Coyle, uh, sorry, uh, Coyle did it. And um, he should have just given it to the keeper and the keeper could have cleared it up the pitch, but he was kind of fooling around with it. And then the ball came out to Coot and he hit it first time and buried it. And then towards the end of the game, as Finn Harps actually came out after a triple substitution in uh, from half time into the second half. And Finn Harps kind of looked a bit better, but they didn't really create any huge chances. I mean, majority of the saves for James Talbot were quite comfortable. In fairness, McGinley and goal for Finn Harps kept out he kept out about three or four goals some really really good saves so again as i said it could have been five or six nil keeper was it was done well for those goals maybe some of the other goals that went in he could have done better for according to some of the finn harps fans but all in all i think he had a, a fairly decent game and if it wasn't for him it could have been a lot more keep buckley with a great finish at the end of the basically the, the end of the game I think it was in the 94th minute he scored a goal and that was pretty much a game set match anyway at 3-0 but that was just the icing on the cake for Bowes and they, they did look like I suppose the Bowes that we've seen in recent seasons and they seemed to maybe start to get their rhythm back James Talbot looked to be back to his best again Um, so yeah I think it's just a case of, of them bouncing back I think they've really missed players like Dan Casey um, Danny Grant I think they've missed players like that. and it, uh, But the likes of Liam Burt and Ross Tierney, Dawson Devoy, they all seem to be stepping up now and making a difference in games. So it's about tightening up that defensive unit and, and building from that because attacking-wise now they're starting to click a bit. And Georgie Kelly's doing very well for them as well. 
Um, seems to be a right pain for defenders as well playing against him. I know David Webster struggled a bit um, against him on Saturday. And I think other teams have struggled against George because he's such a big, strong lad. Um, may not probably get the credit he deserves because he's doing a bit of a workman-like shift for balls, but he allows the rest of the team to, to express themselves and play. So, yeah, for me, balls look to be maybe getting their rhythm back and I think it was important for them to get that win back over Finn Harps, who obviously turned them over at the. I think it was the first game of the season, but it was definitely earlier on in the season when uh, basically they gifted Alan Foley a goal. That's kind of how Finn Harps got that bit of momentum going. Then after that game, yeah, that was the opening day of the season that Harps beat Bowes. I mean, if you look at the league table, you could say this was a surprise result, but I. I don't think if you go back to the start of the season, Bowes beating Finn Harps 4-0 would be considered that that big a shock. And uh, it's probably Bowes have not started as well and, and Harps have made an incredible start to the season. You mentioned Harps has been the closest challengers to Sligo and they are in fourth place. But uh, we, And I know we've maybe joked about this in the past on Harps for Europe. I don't really think that's realistic. I think given the budget and everything that Harps have, they are punching above their weight to even be in this division. So to be in fourth place uh, is an incredible achievement. And I don't think Ollie Horgan is going to be too concerned about defeats like this. They happen. Particularly, they're going to happen when they're coming off a run where they've had quite a few midweek games as well. And and these games, when you have a small small enough squad, and that's what Harps have, is, is a, a smaller squad than many of the other clubs sometimes they just take their toll and games are just going to get away from you and you're just not going to be able to compete at the same level with two games a week. And as I was saying earlier in the show, that would be my the only concern, the only possible issue I would have with Shamrock Rovers in that if they were to get on a bit of a run in Europe and possibly even get group stage football in the Europa League or Europa Conference, that... The, the sheer number of European games could take its toll, but I don't think that's going to be an issue with Rovers because they have such a good squad. But going back to Finn Harps, and uh, I, they're having a great season. I, I don't think Finn Harps are going to be even involved in the relegation battle. And I, I think mid-table mediocrity beckons, and that, but they should be very proud of that and very happy with that. And... Uh, so, yeah, it was a comfortable win for Bowes. There are definitely signs. Keith Long is doing a fantastic job there. He's, he keeps having, every year has got to losing his best players. and keeps finding uh, replacements. And uh, you mentioned Liam Burke. You mentioned Ross Tierney. Ali Coote was someone who really impressed me last season with Waterford. Is possibly one of their best players. And uh, I, I hadn't heard or seen too much of him in a Bowes short, but... To come in and get two goals uh, certainly um, augurs well for the the future there, and uh, they may not quite be the bows of the last couple of seasons, but this is this league is very open, and if they could string a couple more wins together, they'd be right back up in the European places as well. Um, which I think there seems to be a lot of teams at this point whose target probably would be. Uh, just to get into Europe, or well, in many other cases, I suppose, just to avoid relegation. Um, but that's probably where we are. I mean, Bows are still behind Harps on the table, but I would expect them to move ahead of Harps in the, com in the coming weeks. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, Bowes have jumped up to six with that win, and I think they're on 11th, and Finn Harps are on 14 points. So there's not that much between them now, you know what I mean? I think if Bowes can go on a bit of a run from here, I think uh, I think that'd be, you know, the the quality that they have and they've brought in. They, they had players like Tyreek Wilson on the bench. They had Bastian Harry on the bench. They had uh, Andy Lyons even on the bench as well for Bowes. So, and Keith Ward. So they had a, a very strong bench, as well, so you add that into it. I mean, you spoke about Shamrock Rovers squad. Their bows do have a really good squad. I think just maybe things haven't clicked for them as much as they probably want. But now, I think they'll start to uh, to climb the table. It's starting to get a bit of a click. They've obviously had to bring in a new front three, pretty much, and and work off that, you know. And um, I think players like Ross Tierney and and Dawson Devoy have started to step up now. Ever since I've seen Ross Tierney for the Shamrock Rovers game, I've been very impressed with him. Dawson Devoy have been very impressed with it as well. And then you've got Keith Buckley, who's the engine room there for them. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think he'll let standards drop too much as well. He is the heartbeat of that team. So I think you've obviously got James Talbot in there as well. You've got the likes of Keith Ward and all, who are massive for the dressing room and the changing room as well. And I think because they've kept the, those core players in there and they've kept those values in which obviously Bowes that's that's how they play that's obviously keith long's values so i think i think they'll start climbing the league from here and i think they'll probably um be catching up with sligo soon maybe not get up to sligo the way sligo started but i think their aim now would be trying to catch sligo or get as near to sligo as they can but i spoke with ali q after the game you can hear what he had to say here Boy, Bohemians, Ali Cute, after a 4-0 win, you got two goals. Talk me through the game from your own point of view. That was well overdue, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think the message from the gaffer was like, fresh round of games, you know, we need to take the positives and the way we've played in the in the first round and, you know, build on it and start adding results. And I think tonight <coughs> we we started well from the off and I think it's uh, something we can, we can improve on now and, and grow from. Yeah, because I, I know you just mentioned there, obviously, about the, the previous round of games that kind of started off badly with a loss to Finhaps. Was this kind of a bit of a added motivation to kind of get that one back today? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think I think we all know as a group we've played well in games, well, in pe long periods of games anyway, but, um, um, yeah, the, like I said, the results weren't there, so it's nice to get that and a clean sheet today as well, which is important. And obviously two goals for yourself. Talk me through the first goal, because you nicked the ball down in that half and carried it the whole way up and then got your shot and goes to, 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 I mean, you went the whole way unchallenged. Yeah, and all, well, I thought about going down for a foul at the start, but then just I turned and I had loads of space, so I just kept going. And then the more they dropped, I thought about shooting and thankfully it went in. Yeah, and then, and then obviously the second goal, that kind of just came across, you hit it first time. So obviously our confidence is quite high now after that. Yeah, no, it's nice scoring. I mean, scored here for Watford last year up in that goal, but uh, yeah. Who doesn't like scoring? So hopefully build on it now. Yeah. So you're just talking about kind of building on it now. I mean, how important is it now to get a just get a bit of a run going, a couple of games, a couple of wins, and just kind of go, climb back up the table? Then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe I think it was clear to see that maybe confidence wasn't wasn't sky high in the first round of games. So you know, hopefully if we if we can get a, a run going now, you know, the confidence will pick up, and I'm sure that'll only help us. You know. Yeah, because I think just what it is at the moment, it looks like a, a young confidence side, but just lacking maybe a couple of goals for that little bit of belief, and I think that's kind of all these have been lacking yeah. recently. Yeah, I feel like tonight we we created as many chances as we have done in other games, it's just we're a bit more clinical tonight, and that's been the message, so um, yeah, if we just keep cre keep creating chances and keep taking them, then I'm sure we'll, 
we'll clean the table, yeah. Absolutely, Ali. Well, listen, I'll let you go. Enjoy your Saturday night. Thanks very much for your Cheers, time. Cheers, Thank you very much. Right, moving on to the RSE. And we all know COVID wreaked havoc on the Waterford side and they had to play their, I think it was their under-19 side. And uh, draw the Betham 7-0 with goals from Darren Markey, Mark Doyle, Dane Massey with two, Chris Lyons with two and Killian Phillips with the goals. For Gerard, um I know after the game, Tim Clancy and Dane Massey went into the team and, and spoke to them and, you know, wished them well and said well done and stuff like that, which is obviously a nice touch considering they didn't have to do that, but to go in and speak to them and kind of raise their spirits after getting a hiding in their first ever game of men's football, I thought that was a nice touch by them. It's, it's, getting, it's getting annoying though, isn't it now, Gary, with the, you know, just with the COVID stuff and teams getting walkovers like you think of the Galway Cabo situation and then you think of this it's just look I know we have to follow protocols and stuff like that but I, I think it just makes a bit of a mockery on things sometimes yeah I don't think anyone wants to see what happened on uh, on Friday night I mean you even said under 19s I think quite a few of the players that took the field are under 19 for the next couple of years so it was a really really young Waterford side and I, I don't think it does anybody any good to, to see that happening. I mean, I'm all for having a couple of under-19s on the bench, maybe bringing some on with 15, 20 minutes to go, getting a bit of experience in the squad and the team coming on when your team is winning, or even when your team is losing to make your debut. But you don't want to throw a whole under-19 team in in adult men's football in, in League of Ireland because it, the golfing standard is massive. And uh, unfortunately, it, it, it gets exposed when you have to play your under-19 team against uh, seasoned pros like like Draw. And I mean, Draw had our seasoned pros in the league. You mentioned the likes of Dan Massey. These Draw have got a very good squad. They've built a, a squad around seasoned League of Ireland players. And it, it was it was great to see them go in and have a word with the Waterford players because they must have been devastated after such a defeat. And unfortunately, it looks like they have to send the same team up to Sligo at the weekend. And I mean, what can you predict? Nothing but more of the same. And I mean, there's no blame on Drogheda for this. Drogheda yeah. have yeah. their own battles. They have to go out. They have to win the game. They, they're they probably looking at needing to boost their goal difference as well. I mean, they're the highest scorers in the league now, along with Shamrock Rovers. And uh, in fact, that win could be worth an extra point to them at the end of the season if it comes down to it. But um, it's just uh, nobody likes to see it. I'm not. I'm not saying I have an, an obvious solution. I don't know. Um, but we've we've come down and said maybe at the start of the season, no games are getting postponed because of COVID. It's still early days to me, and it's a long season. I think can we not at least at this point of the season, maybe postpone some games and squeeze them back in later in the season, particularly for the likes of Waterford and Drogheda who are not in Europe and could easily, this game could easily be played in the summertime. Yeah, no, I would agree. A midweek game or whatever it is, I think it could be fitted in there and it just seems to be a case of... It's, it's, it's just annoying, isn't it, really? I mean, it's frustrating because I think from Waterford's perspective i think if they even gave a walk over there there'd be three goals you know better off in terms of their goal or four goals better off at their goal difference because it would have been a three nil win um as far as draw they're concerned 
by all means, that they have to go out and beat what's in front of them and try and beat them. I, I think Tim Clancy probably was looking at this as a game to say, look, let's try and score as many as possible and uh, boost our goal difference because we may need it at the end of the season. Even if they don't need it, it's, it's still scoring seven goals in a game is not going to be a bad thing for your team. Albeit that might be at the expense of Waterford, but at the end of the day, it's not Drogheda's problem. They have to go out and win games of football. That's what they're there to do. But from a from a Waterford perspective, it's 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 pretty bad because you look at now. I mean, if they lose the next couple of games and stuff like that, they're going to be absolutely at rock bottom. Even regardless of when their first team comes back into the into the um, equation, so for for Waterford it must be so annoying and they just they're never shy of drama and stories down there and I don't know at this point it's it's hard for me to see that anything but relegation for Waterford right now and that's only after 10 games yeah no I tend to agree now there is there is a very long way to go and they're only a point off the the, the playoff spots and I think if you look at the, the Waterford squad, even the players they have now, I know that, uh, well, they weren't available at the moment for COVID or whatever other reason. I, I think still think they're well capable of at least getting into the playoffs. And I think once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. But um, so there's a long way to go before you'd be predicting relegation for anyone at this stage. But it's certainly, it's not good and it needs to be turned around quickly because it, it's at the moment it's only a one-point gap. I mean, there is no other option or no other result you can see at this weekend except Sligo inflicting a heavy defeat on the Waterford under-19s, with all due respects to the guys. And some of them may turn out to be fine players in the future, but it's just too early to be throwing a team of under-19s up against seasoned professionals in the showgrounds. So, do you but you think, don't want to... Do you not so think I just want to say just, what you don't do you, sorry, think they could sure. do, sorry, do you not think they could do another test or something like that? And maybe then if if they're all, you know, ready to play, they, they bring them in and play them. I I don't I don't I mean I, I'm not medical or anything like that, but I know when I know, when you're talking about COVID, yeah, no, but I know when you're talking about COVID. I mean, when you I know we're talking about two weeks isolation or if if you come back from abroad it's 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 two weeks okay you test after five days i suppose so maybe but then for other things it's 10 days i i, I don't know paul i mean i don't know if any of them the, the people that were close contacts have actually developed covid or whatever but um I, I would assume that the medical people are all over this and you have to just uh, just listen to the it's out of your it's out of our hands it's out of the football's people's hands at this point it has to be decided by the, the medical people and my understanding is that the waterford that those waterford players are not available for the weekend i could be wrong on that or maybe maybe some of them can be tested and become available but um it's it's not it's not a good time for waterford anyway just going to take a look at their the league table there uh, with waterford i mean that Bottom on six points after ten games played. Next up uh, ahead of them is Longford, ten points. I sorry, ten games, seven points, and then it's Derry on nine points after ten games as well. So I think we'll move on to to the Derry and Longford game just to finish off, Gary. And um, you know, Derry with, uh, sorry, 
Longford with the first goal, Rob Malley in the 75th minute, and then uh, Ola Wasson Akatunde uh, scored for Derry in the 90th minute to give them an, uh, an equaliser, which I suppose probably would have broke Longford Town Hearts because uh, that that result would have been massive for Longford. And I suppose Derry showing a bit of fighting spirit again, getting another late goal um, as they continue to kind of get back to themselves under Rory Higgins. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one for Longford because going up to the Brandywell, they would have been delighted with the point. Um, but then, as you said, they took the lead, Rob Manley, in the 75th minute. They hadn't won since the opening day when they beat Derry. Now, definitely, deservedly beat Derry well on the opening night. But, and it wasn't just the 90th minute. It was the in the third of the three minutes added on of added time and just a long clearance from the Derry goalkeeper. And you, you you got to that stage, you're 1-0 up away from home. You haven't won for 10 games. And, oh, you'd just be so frustrating as a Longford fan that you just couldn't see it out. Because, no, for, even from, we're talking about Waterford. I think Waterford will definitely see Longford as being the target if they want to get off the bottom of the table. Uh, it was probably a huge relief for Waterford to see that goal go in. Because even though it would have kept Derry that little bit closer, I, I think they wouldn't want to see Longford getting three points clear of them. But from what could have been a really good result for Longford, just the manner of the goal and the, how late it was conceded, it's probably going to feel like a defeat. And just the run without a win now continues. But it does show the the good fighting spirit of Longford. I mean, they got promotion last season when nobody expected it. I think everyone was expecting them to finish bottom this season. So the, the very fact that they're certainly very competitive in the division and they're not bottom at the moment ju just shows how, how well things are going there despite that um, kick in the teeth in the last minute. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think Longford have come up and in games where I thought they would get hammered, they've gone, you know, they've they've gone 2-0 up against, or sorry, they went 1-0 up against Shamrock Rovers. Um, there's games where they were 2-0 down and uh, you know they came back and drew two two with Bowes. They went two nil up at Dundalk and drew two two there. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't hold it. I think that that their biggest problem is being able to hold out in games. I just spoke, mentioned it there. Sorry about me voice there. Um, I just mentioned it in uh, those those games there where they were taking the lead and then they couldn't see the game out because I suppose just the pressure. I suppose just made them get give in against Shamrock Rovers. I remember that game where they were one 0 up. Um, I know they were thinking that Pico Lopez should have been sent off, and maybe they had a a point there. But there's been games where where in that game they sat back and, and allowed the pressure onto them, and unfortunately they lost that game and probably deserved the point. If I'm being honest, uh, the game against Dundalk they allowed them on, but then again they showed the fighting spirit against uh, both to come from two 0 down to win that or to draw that game. Sorry. Um, so yeah, they're a bit of a mixed bag in terms of you know they've got goals in their team, but I think just they've but they've a few defensive frailties, you would say. Yeah, I mean, in some ways it's hard it's hard to be be critical, Paul, because yeah, yeah. it's 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 not a it's not really a premier. They probably didn't expect to get promotion last season. Probably everyone got a bit surprised. They would be on one. They would have one of the lowest budgets in the league. They would have one of the smaller squads as well. So, I mean, it's it's very easy to be critical and say they were two 0 up against Dundalk. They did incredibly well to be two 0 up against Dundalk, and 
in normal circumstances, you'd expect Dundalk to have gone down there and beaten them three or four nil. You'd probably expect Derry to beat them two or three nil in the Brandywell. And instead, you're maybe I'm being a bit harsh saying they should have seen it out, but it's just probably so frustrating for them to get to the 93rd minute to have played so well and to be that close to a win to to just be undone by a, a big hoof up the field from the goalkeeper. And uh, that's probably the frustrating point of view from Longford, but they are they are effectively punching above their weight. So if, if they're going to feel the pressure late on, I mean, Rovers, go back a few weeks to that 2-1 win. Yeah, Rovers were very lucky to, to get the goal so late, but part of it is just there's just so much pressure coming on them. And the natural instinct would be to sit back and just try and soak it up. But um, in reality, Longford are doing really, really well. And if you offer them the playoff at this point, I'm sure they'd bite your hand off for it and take their chances against whoever comes up from the first division to face them. No, I agree. I definitely think Darren Doyle um, has done a brilliant job there with them. And I think, you know, We've mentioned him doing well against the bigger teams and stuff like that. Maybe not so much against the likes of Drawdown and stuff like that. But I felt as though um, in games where I expect them to get a thump and that they've turned up and they've done quite well. And look, this is a game that they probably would have thought that they could have won and stuff like that. But I think Dara Doyle will go on to have a really good future in management in the game either way. I just I like the way he sets his team up and stuff like that. They're, they're quite brave. Um, and you'd largely look at a lot of those players. I think they're, they're all playing Premier Division, majority of them are playing Premier Division for the first time. I think Darren mentioned that earlier in the season as well, that a good crop of that team are playing Premier Division for the first time, um, and the likes of Dylan Grimes and so on. So, look, he's doing well with what he's got there. I, I probably see them staying in a similar position for the course of the season, but as you had mentioned in previous shows, I don't think they'd expect that unless when they start coming up in the first place. I think they were to target maybe a playoff place and above if they could so i think they're on course for that look maybe some results haven't gone the way they want but in in reflection i think they've done quite well and i don't think they've they've been bad so i think that i think they'll continue on that form where they'll probably pick up results when probably pe- people don't expect them to and then i think in some games they may just get trounced um but that's just the way the league is Derry, on the other hand I don't know what to make of them. I just, just a serious run of inconsistency. I thought when Rory Higgins came in, the new manager bounced. They were winning games. And then, uh, yeah, it just seems to be back to kind of where they were under Declan Devine as well, where they're kind of, well, they're not losing games, but with the drawn games, they're slowly crawling away from the relegation zone, but they need to start picking up wins to, to get themselves up to me. I mean, the squad they have, they shouldn't be where they are. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, they did get the bounce, as you said, on Rory Higgins. Fantastic wins in the showgrounds and at Daily Mount. But then to, it all went sour, losing it losing it home to Finn Harps, which is obviously particularly galling for them. And they won't have been happy with, uh, even though they, they got such a late equaliser, they still won't be happy with a one-all draw at home to Longford. So uh, I think you have to give Rory Higgins a bit of time. He's just in the job. Of course, yeah. I think he'll get the July window maybe to sign some players as well. But um, and I, I, although I see Derry are currently in, definitely in a relegation battle, if you look at the league table, I, I don't see them really getting sucked in. I think uh, we were talking about maybe mid-table mediocrity for Finn Harps earlier on. 
you'll probably find Derry City somewhere there as we move on in the season. Uh, they must be a bit concerned. I know they got sucked into the relegation battle last season, which got a bit of concerning for them at the end. But I, I, I would expect them to, to get out of it. There is still a decent squad there. And uh, I'm sure Rory Higgins is going to be backed in July to, to bring in some players if he wants to. And I think they'll be, they'll be okay. Um, from a Longford perspective, I think they'll definitely be in the relegation battle right to the end. But they certainly seem well capable of battling it and picking up the odd win here and there. Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we've covered every team and uh, kind of in depth as well. So uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments on anything we discussed. If you haven't subscribed to the channel already, please do so. Now we are so close to 10K. It's not even funny. I think it's uh, about 60 subscribers to go. Um, but yeah, look, if you could really uh, subscribe, it would really help us. And uh, yeah, if you could like the video, leave your thoughts in the comments on anything we discussed. And uh, we'll speak to you all soon. Thanks for watching. Thanks, guys.